Welcome to Rethink, the podcast that explores the people and products shaping innovation and those designing for resilience. Hosted by Philip Beer. Hello and welcome. Today's guest is Don Davies. He's the president of MKA. MKA is Structural and Civil Consulting Engineers. Don's particular focus is on high-rise buildings, and he's the leader of MKA's sustainability technical specialist team. Don, welcome. That's a very brief introduction to you. Can you please share with those listening a little bit more about your background and experience? Sure. So I am the president of Magnus and Clementic Associates. So we are civil and structural engineers in Seattle. It's a hundred-year-old firm that is uh, works on an international basis, but really is a based on a center of excellence in Seattle, and then we hop on airplanes and go to the work. Um, myself in particular, uh, I've worked around the globe and have been part of MKA for almost 30 years at this point. Uh, but the topic of embodied carbon and sustainability and being smarter about how we build has always been a passion and a topic of mine. So, how do we break down embodied carbon? What does that mean exactly? Yeah, what is, man, that's a very good question. It's almost too wonky of a term. Um, embodied carbon is the, the carbon footprint of the materials that go into, in this case, uh, talking about the built environment. So what does it take from uh, harvesting of the timber or mining of the mineral to make concrete, to, uh, uh, going through the plant and getting into the construction site to, to build the building. Um, all of the carbon footprint of doing that is what I would call embodied carbon. So it's a little bit different than what many think of, say, green building. You're taking the really almost like the life cycle of the materials to go into the construction and saying, what's the carbon uh, say concrete, which has a very high level. Yep. So when people talk about life cycle analysis, um, that's, that is, let's call that the science of trying to capture the whole story from building it to operations, to when you, uh, tear it down or what, what is the full life cycle? Embodied carbon is really that very front initial part of creating the it, um, where it really comes into life cycle, uh, full life cycle modeling is in addition to once you've built a building, how long is it going to last? Uh, what kind of repairs do we have to do? And then actually it, when you do disassemble it or recycle it or tear it down, what do you do with, with the materials? Who is using the tool, the carbon calculator? Uh, good question. It, so the embodied carbon calculator, um, we launched it in November at Greenbuild last year, really targeting the intersection between the design team and the contractor. It was really trying to target the, that, that point of where purchasing decisions get made. And the whole idea of this embodied carbon calculator is to get the material supply industry to be more transparent with data report the carbon footprint of their materials and let that show up in double bottom line accounting. And so what that, that amounts to is as designers, we're 
using this and validating early assumptions we made on what we think the carbon footprint of our building is. Um, but then it's also holding the supply chain accountable and trying to pick, you know, let our owners make more informed buying decisions and then, uh, you know, look at carbon and cost at the same time. So designers are using it. Uh, it's very much tied into uh, contract contractor cost estimating tools, and we really want to get the contractors using it. Um, suppliers are inputting data into it. And uh, frankly, ultimately, it's to help owners make more informed decisions. So we're trying to get everybody to have a touch point in, in the tool. Are there any suppliers or manufacturers that are scared of the embodied carbon calculator? Oh, sure. It's you're, We're moving the goalposts. Um, this, <clears throat> this whole tool bringing it along, you know, for I've been in the embodied carbon space for about 10 years. It's a very fractured, very confusing topic. Um, very hard to get the data. And this idea of uh, something called environmental product declarations or EPDs, getting suppliers to uh, report like a nutrition label, what's in their materials. Uh, um, that's really what EC3 is about. So making the data transparent. Um, this tool we've created is free and open source. You know, it's not a proprietary tool. So um, anyone can go use it, but there's over 50 companies that came into making it. Some material suppliers have embraced it faster than others. The concrete industry, believe it or not, um, is actually one of the groups that have embraced it the most. When we started the project, there was maybe 800 environmental product declarations across the country for concrete and some different suppliers. On the launch of EC3 in November, we had over 22,000 EPDs from the concrete industry inside of our this database. Um, so they've embraced it. Um, There's some other material suppliers that are like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't want to have to tell you that and have been slower to come along. But it's um, uh, it's been getting a lot of national attention, uh, a lot of momentum behind it. And uh, it's one of those things. I think it's only a amount of time before it really starts to come, everyone is is kind of in this ecosystem and space. So would a developer or, or home builder use the calculator? They would. Um, I, ideally, they would be looking at it, um, like I said, when they're making procurement choices. Now, frankly, um, at the level of go build a house, um, I don't think our industry is mature enough to track the data to be able to do it. But if you're a home builder building a very large scale project where you're making very large buys, um, enough to have a general contractor on board who's doing cost estimates, making large purchasing choices, um, those are the type of suppliers that will um, you'll be able to ask for and track the data. So in a way, we're talking about shifting the conversation. Let's just use, say, a zero energy home. It might be from the day that somebody moves in a zero energy home, but maybe about 26 years of energy went into it and building it, right? So, or whatever that number might be. But how do you shift the paradigm to have a developer or builder look back into the supply chain and the materials used? And all the energy that well 
Yeah, well, it first starts with, uh, you know, you can't manage what you don't measure. And today, the whole embodied carbon topic is one of those uh, topics that we don't measure. And most people, until you really look at it, aren't aware of just how significant um, of an issue the embodied carbon of the, the building materials are. You know, depending on the grid, you said 26 years, it can be anywhere from 26 to uh, in a place like Seattle, where there's a fairly clean electrical grid, it may be 80 years before the operational carbon footprint of a building is a bigger number than the embodied carbon to build it. So you think about a location like that, if, if you're building something that you're going to tear down every 25 years, um, the, um, the emitted carbon just to build the building is potentially larger than the operational will ever, ever even get to. Uh, in, in, in return, actually the building that lasts the longest uh, probably has the lowest annual embodied carbon footprint uh, because once you build it, if it's a, say, a 500-year building, um, it may sound like a lot of carbon when you first build it, but it may um, actually be around for a very, very long time um, and you can spread that, that cost out. Don, what's great about the embodied carbon calculator, like you said, you can't manage what you don't measure. And really, this is evolving the conversation that is around sustainable construction. Um, it's taking it to the next level to really put a number and, and make it kind of somewhat easy to analyze how much carbon goes into um, a development. That, that is absolutely the whole idea of this embodied carbon construction calculator. Make the data accessible and make it easy to use and make it understandable. And that's one of the reasons um, it is a free open source tool. What we did, um, and once the idea came together, the MKA Foundation, so my company and the Charles Pankow Foundation, uh, both actually are... Um, the two largest checks that were written to take the idea from a prototype to actually a functional tool. Um, but in the, and in that process, we ended up bringing a lot of other companies along. So when we launched it, we actually had 50 different uh, major players in the uh, construction and design industry, um, part of EC3's creation. And maybe most notable on that, so in addition to something like the American AIA, um, involved. We got AISC, the uh, steel industry. We got ACI, the concrete folks. And we got AWC, the American Wood Council, all to contribute money into writing, let's call the module for their part of, part of EC3. When have you ever gotten the steel, the concrete, and the wood guys all to agree to kind of play in the same space? Um, and they did it because we're targeting something that the owners are asking for it. Um, a lot of this came about uh, because we created the tool for the use on the Microsoft project. That's a $2 billion redevelopment project in the Seattle area. When someone's going to write a $2 billion check and says, if you want to have part of the project, you have to disclose this information, that's a pretty darn big incentive. And um, other developers have gotten on that same um, page and are making the same ask and that the and that's exactly the goal of this tool is it's a way to move industry 
how do we know if this tool was used on a specific project? Uh, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> um, you, you may not know. And, you know, right now, frankly, this is a moving target. Um, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do with EC3, we haven't tried to be the one-stop shop that answers all questions and has all problems solved. We don't. There's a lot that we still don't know. Um, EC3 really targets comparing like materials. Who's the best concrete supplier of the concrete? Who's the best steel supplier of the steel? Who's the best wood supplier of the wood? But it doesn't answer all of the life cycle issues. But what it really lets us do is talk percentages. Um, um, I may be able to, you know, I can clearly show on a project if I'm 20 or 30% below a baseline from where we started to where we ended on the project. I may not have an absolute 100% carbon footprint number of everything that went into the building. And there's a lot of life cycle analysis stages that this EC3 tool doesn't address. But what it really does is it takes us to where we can make meaningful decisions to lower our carbon footprint and uh, with comparative data uh, on particular suppliers. Um, so how do you know if it's been used? Uh, it's really, uh, you'd have to ask the question and challenge your team to do it. Um, it is worth lead points um, uh, at this stage, but uh, you know it's only one tool and kind of an arsenal of things that probably need to come forward as we talk about lower carbon construction systems. It's, it's basically helping answer that. If you don't ask, you don't know, you can't manage what you don't measure, let's start measuring. And you say That's it's worth what that. we do understand. It's worth lead points. How many points? Uh, it really varies. There's at least three in the LCA credits and there's, uh, additional pilot credits, um, that they are exploring. Um, you know, when it first came out, Lee got very excited and they were going to make it worth a total of 12 points. And they backed off of that to about three because they didn't want to embody carbon kind of dominating too much of the whole landscape of that's all the points people are going to go after. So they've started it as three points, and but with kind of um, some pilot credits, and they're looking to evaluate it after a year, see how much of a meaningful difference it's making, and um, and I think it's something that will likely change and even become a greater influence with time. How complex is the tool? Does it require an engineer, or who can use it? You know, um, it you can make it incredibly complex. So you can make it incredibly simple. Overall, the math is real simple. What's your material quantities times a EPD from the material equals a carbon footprint. It's, it's that simple of a math calculation. The hard part's in the details and really coming up with what are your quantities of your building. Um, and it can be anything from it's in the BIM model out of uh, a highly sophisticated BIM model, which can be ported from uh, BIM 360 directly into the EC3 tool and measure quantities that way. Kind of like a spreadsheet, you can also just calculate the numbers yourself and put it directly into the tool. Um, so you don't have to be an engineer at all. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it can scale up or scale down really depending on the level of granularity and sophistication you have into the input data. Great. Um, any final thoughts to share with those listening before we say farewell? 
Uh, no, just uh, well, just the comment of collective action. What's what really motivated the, the MKA and Pankow Foundations to get involved in this tool to begin with is it was a non-proprietary effort that a bunch of people could get behind. And what was really exciting was to see just that between architects, engineers, contractors, developers, manufacturers, all agreeing to work in the same space on a problem. And it, it exceeded our wildest dreams of what's actually been able to be accomplished when people come together, kind of put their competitive nature aside and say, let's do something for the public good. And it's, it, you know, it's an amazing step. It's only part of a tool. Uh, part of the full answer, but it's a really, really good kind of next step in my mind. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rethink. Find a complete library of past episodes at iTunes or wherever you're listening to this.